Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Learning Journeys podcast from Lacuna Learning. We hope you're all keeping well and in today's episode we are joined by Bob Eason. His CV is quite something so here we go as a wee intro. Originally a PE teacher, an assistant headmaster, he is a rugby coach and self-confessed sports nut and compulsive storyteller. He is a former professional rugby coach and was the first full-time professional coach of Edinburgh Rugby. He coached the Scotland Under-21s at two World Cups and is currently director of rugby at Edinburgh Academical Rugby Club. Following his career in professional coaching, he became the high-performance rugby coach at the Scottish Institute of Sport and then became a high-performance manager also at the Institute as well. He's a veteran of three Commonwealth Games as team manager and in various different roles. He is a very much long-standing performance coach, mentor and coach developer. Uh, and he's very embarrassed to admit that he was quite rightly awarded Sports Scotland Scottish Coach Developer of the Year in 2018. Uh, I've known Bob for a number of years now. He's a wise counsellor and mentor to many people and a critical friend to anyone that knows him. He is someone who's had a massive influence on the development and progression of so many people um, so we're absolutely delighted to have him along to share his journey. So thanks so much for your time, Bob. Thanks, Doug. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be uh, with you and, and speaking with you. And I'm looking I'm looking forward to the next half hour. Thank you for the introduction. So, Bob, by way of warming us up uh, and the regular feature on the podcast now, if you could go on an adventure anywhere in the world, where would you go? Who would you go with? And what would you do? Well, it's pretty, pretty straightforward for me, actually. Uh, my wife and I have started planning the next two years and where we're going to travel. And the, the first place we want to go is Harrison Lewis, out in the Hebrides. It's a place that we've always wanted to go to. In fact, I've just uh, finished reading uh, a trilogy written by um, an author called Peter May, which is set in Harrison Lewis. It's very atmospheric. And uh, I mean, these books have actually drawn me to uh, to these uh, to these islands, and I'd, I'd love to go there. That that was that's my next destination. Good on you, Bob. I, I hedged my bets, and I had a, a Scottish location and an overseas one. But you just you stay true to what you know, and you're going to go to the Western Isles and, and have a bit mm. of an adventure out there. It sounds brilliant. Now, this could easily be a five-hour podcast, just learning all about you and your journey. So. I'm interested to see what synopsis you give us today. Sports, very much in your blood, very much part of who you are and what you're about. Where did it all start and where did it go in terms of your journey into sport? Yeah, well, it's, it, it started in Cooper. I was uh, Cooper in Fife. Uh, it's a little market town, born and brought up there. My dad was secretary of the local football club, so naturally I spent an awful lot of time there kicking the round ball. My cousins uh, boxed, so I joined the boxing club and I boxed there for a couple of years. Uh, I think at that time I was weighing in about seven stone, which is about 45 kg, I think. Also went to the Boys Brigade and at the Boys Brigade, uh, there was a guy who coached us gymnastics and I became really, really interested in gymnastics, did a lot of gymnastics. Uh, my next door neighbour was a track and field athlete, a policeman, and he used to take me along to athletics matches. Then I went to secondary school, I went to Bell Baxter and uh, was introduced to rugby and that became my passion, if you like. 
And so early years, uh, I was forever, you know, on a sports field somewhere. In fact, also joined the YMCA and not long after I joined, a Mr. Universe came uh, uh, with all these with all these weights and stuff like that and actually taught me how to lift weights. So I was lifting weights when I was about 14, I think, something like that. So Cooper, small town, but actually a lot of sporting uh, stuff to do. It really got me into sport there and then. Okay, so got this amazing Mr. Universe taught me to weightlift. I mean, if that isn't a podcast-worthy title, I don't know what is. <laughs> rugby, obviously, very much in your blood. Where did the rugby journey go for you? You talked about that sort of range of different experiences that you had. How did your rugby career progress? Well, so I started playing first year at school, and, and uh, I mean, I was probably around about five feet, nothing. Uh, not much different from from now. Really, really enjoyed my time time at school, uh, and then got myself involved in the local rugby club, and got a few games for the third fifteen. I, I told them I was sixteen when I was fourteen, because uh, I was desperate to play. So they they would they would give me a game in the third fifteen on a on a Saturday afternoon. So that's that's how it started. I played a bit of district rugby at school, but I never played any higher than than district schools rugby. Went to Jordan Hill to train as a PE teacher and our coach then was a guy called Bill Dickinson who uh, at that time, you're talking 1966, was uh, the advisor to the captain. Uh, that was his title. He couldn't be given the title of coach because that smacked of professionalism. But he inspired me both as a, as a teacher but also as a, as a coach. So it started there. Not long after I uh, left college, came back to teach in Bill Baxter. As a, as a phys ed teacher, I was required to coach. So I coached, uh, I coached the first 15. And the journey progressed from there. I got a chance to coach some Midland schools. And then from Midland schools, I coached um, the, the, the senior district side. Uh, and from senior district side, I, I was invited to coach Scotland under 18s. Scotland under 19, Scotland under 21s went to World Cups uh, and was really lucky too to get a, an opportunity to coach uh, Scotland A. In fact, Scotland A against the All Blacks, which is a, a you know a fantastic fixture to have and great to be able to be coaching a team against uh, a team like the All Blacks. I also had the good fortune of being the programme manager and an assistant coach to the Scotland Sevens for two years. So traveled the world on the IRB circuit and also um, coached at the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. So coaching coaching 15s, coaching 7s uh, basically started in, in 1969 when I was coaching at the school uh, all the way through almost to the present day. Oh, Bob, there are so many things I'd like to ask you about, but uh, we probably just don't have time for. I'm really interested. You had, I guess, really strong background in pedagogy and so on through teaching. And then at some point, you'd have coached your first rugby session. I'm just so interested in those early experiences that you had and I suppose what coaching looked like in those days. What have been some of the, I guess, progressions or things you've seen that have evolved and emerged, I guess, from what things were like back then to, I guess, where we are now? <laughs> That's a great question, and I, and I say it uh, for this reason alone. I can still remember being coached as a first-year pupil, 
and we basically we played. So it was it was uh, if if you like in modern in the modern language, uh, non-linear pedagogy, global coaching, if you like. We just simply played and, and the teacher would stop us and ask us a question. And I can still remember, I can still remember missing a tackle on a guy called Gibson. Uh, he was bigger than me. And, and the teacher stopped this uh, the session and said, Eason, Eason, uh, uh, what happened? Uh, and, and he asked me a question about missing the tackle. He then said to Gibson, Gibson running Eastern again, and, and, and he did, and I made the tackle. And I'm thinking about that experience and then thinking about the introduction of tackle bags and, and, and tackle shields and all the rest of it. And then a, an era where I have an image of people standing in a line waiting to take their turn to tackle a bag or a shield or so on, uh, which didn't sit really well with me. I know that I've shared this with you at the moment, but there was a, a, a before, but there was a, a French coach called Pierre, Pierre Vilpre, uh, who who coached in, in, a, in a total way, as he called it. He called it the global way, which was 15 on 15, which excited me. And I liked, I liked the way in which uh, that coaching methodology he used. Uh, but that was not typical. And there was a long time, I think, in, in, in rugby coaching where it was all tell, 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 and uh, wait your turn to take your tackle. And I think it's evolved, it's changed. And mind you, I can still remember coaching professionally and uh, trying to introduce that methodology to professional players. And one player who in fact became a, a Scottish international said to me, what are we doing, Bob? What are we doing? You, you just need to tell me what to do. And that was, for me, a bit of a metaphor of, well, that's what coaching was about at that time. So I think... Coaching has evolved uh, considerably. I I, um, I follow the Pierre Vilpre pedagogy, his method of coaching and allowing players to express themselves and, and, and evolve and adapt their play within, within playing. That's really interesting, Bob. You're talking about players who went on to represent their country, played at an incredibly high level, saying... Can you just tell me what to do, right? And, and it's interesting, of course, about meeting learners where they are. So he didn't want to just, you know, I, I'll steal the line from you, Pierre Vilpera said, you age, you age, just play, 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 play. Yeah. And actually that player didn't want that. And it's, uh, I find that really interesting that, you know, we can have these lovely ideas about that, but actually if the learner doesn't want that, it doesn't really matter how great your idea is, right? Yeah. I'm interested, Bob, I suppose you've probably seen lots of fads come in and out of coaching and teaching and different ways of doing things. You are hugely passionate about coach development and developing other coaches. Where did your interest and I guess your practical experience of coach education and development start and, and what's, what's that progression been like for you? I think my, my coach education started probably at Jordan Hill as a, as a physical education student. I, I was I was fascinated and, and, and keen to learn and I can still remember that this coach Bill Dickinson and he was coaching the national team at the time but he was doing things that I'd obviously as a, as a young student that I'd never seen before for example SNC so we, we all did weights and I, I'd never you know obviously I'd, I'd, I'd lifted weights with uh, Mr Universe so I knew a wee bit but you know he'd introduced weights into rugby training that no one else in the country did 
he also did an interesting thing. He, uh, we had uh, a, a rugby jersey, which was kind of blue and yellow and green and all the rest of it, multicolour thing. But our first 15 wore red jerseys. Why did we wear red jerseys? Because we could see each other better. You know, so I was I was fascinated by that sort of up, uh, approach, if if you like. And then chucked into the deep end when I um, when I started teaching. I was given a first fifteen, and I just had to get on with coaching who was who was in front of me. And interestingly, I I attended I attended a coaching session at a coach development session, if you if you like, run by SRU uh, at Murrayfield in nineteen seventy. Uh, so that was the, my first experience of a coaching course. And I can still remember, and thinking back to that, you know, these days and comparing to now, it was very much about this is a scrum, this is a lineout, this is nothing to do with the people who were involved in scrums and lineouts. But I was curious to find out, and I went to level two, and then I went to level three, and we just were told an awful lot about the same thing, very, very technically based. I went back to the SIU and said, look, I've done levels one, two, and three. Can I come back? So, what do you mean? Can you come back? I said, "Well, there must be more." Uh, and they said, "Well, no one's asked to come back before." And I said, "Well, I'd like to come back." So they they invited me back, uh, and I did another three years. And during that time, uh, they invited me to be part of I think it was level two. And I have to be honest. I mean, I was following what uh, I'd learned uh, from from others and attempted to do a bit of the same kind of direct methodology because that's what was required of us at, at Scottish Rugby at, at the time. But then as my career developed, I, I also approached na various national coaches and asked them if I could come and watch their, their, their trainings. And uh, some were very welcome, some were not. But I can still remember one uh, who not only invited me to training, but invited me into the changing room and allowed me to sit in and listen. And, and I took an awful lot of learnings from that. And so my learning about coaching and coaching rugby just kind of evolved over time. Probably the, the best learnings, the best learnings about rugby coaching for me were in New Zealand, right? Uh, and 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 I've been fortunate to go to the, go to New Zealand quite a number of, in a number of occasions. Probably my best experience would be uh, when I spent two weeks with the uh, Wellington Hurricanes. Their head coach was a Maori. Uh, his big hairy goal was to make his players better people. I was absorbed into their culture for two weeks. I sat in in team meetings. Uh, I sat in on. on um, uh, individual one-to-one -one sessions and I took some great great learnings from there probably more to do with the the, the managing and the, uh, the managing of people and the building of relationships relative to uh, the, the club culture and the team culture and and I'm drawn back to New Zealand time and time and time again I, I went to the the um, International Rugby Academy there. I was one of the first guys uh, from, from the UK to go there and was steeped in, in, in that environment. And I think there's a lot to learn from New Zealand, but actually from, from many, many parts of the world.
So a bit of a journey from, uh, you know, coaching a school team on the playing fields at Bell Baxter all the way through to, um, you know, taking some fantastic learnings from, from, from New Zealand. I'm really interested, Bob, you know, the many ways I could describe you, someone who is almost obsessed with learning. You always think you can learn something from somewhere. And Now, you were obviously just super interested in everything that was going on and any opportunity to learn and you were seeking out everything you could. Now, not long after you asked him to go back to do more learning, you became the first professional coach at Edinburgh. And this was just at the dawn of the professional era in rugby. And suddenly you're managing professional players, professional environment, international matches and so on. And for the first time, probably you're managing a team of coaches. Just give us a sense of what it was like to step into that environment at that particular time in rugby. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewind the video a wee bit back before that. Prior to uh, leaving the mother hen of, uh, in fact, I left the mother hen of teaching to become a coach. So um, I can still remember. I can still remember the, the the job advert. I was in. I was in. Uh, I was in education. I had a good salary and all the rest of it. And here was a chance to uh, to become full time in my uh, in what was my my passion. Uh, so fantastic, great opportunity. A big, a bit of a a leap of faith, I think, by my wife, uh, but she said, "Look, go for it," and I'm glad. I'm glad she let me do it. It was daunting, right? I can still remember my first meeting, and in my first meeting, I had an assistant coach, uh, I had uh, a physio, and an S and C coach, and a blank flip chart, and it was basically, "What the hell are we going to do?" First thing we had to do, of course, was meet with the players and try and work out just exactly what we are all about, what was Edinburgh Rugby all about. Uh, and I think we came up with some kind of slogan about Edinburgh Rugby is going to be fast attacking rugby. Uh, and that came out of a couple of meetings I, I, I led, should I say facilitated with professional rugby players. Uh, um, it was brand new for them. It was brand It was brand new for for me. So, so um, really quite daunting. But what, and, and, and the challenge, and the challenge was, not only was I in charge of this squad of 30, 35 players, but as you touched on, a coaching team. I I was invited to, to, to bring on my assistant coach and I brought on a guy that I'd actually coached. He was he coached in, a, in, in district rugby and I coached alongside him in some age group rugby, trusted him, understood what he was all about. He understood what I was all about, but also brought in an S&C guy and a physio guy. So for the first time, uh, I was managing uh, not only the the team but actually a, a support team as well, and that, that that had its challenges. But what was important to me, and, and whether this came from a teaching background or not, was uh, first and foremost it was about the rugby players and how do we best support the rugby players. And and I and I started off by by setting up my my a kind of regular uh, Monday morning meeting. It was I called it the whole eternity because. It was uh, it was a rugby coach, coaches. It was the physio, and and, and it was S and C. And we talked about uh, our planning, planning for the week, uh, our planning for the six months, our planning for the year. And we worked very very closely together with one key element, and that was let's make sure that we the players are as best prepared as they can be, uh, and they were our, our focus. Um, 
we got it wrong. Uh, we overtrained. We trained too much. Uh, we trained too little. We had real challenges. And I remember, I remember our first, our first challenge was uh, European Cup came down in Perpignan on the weekend of Lady Di's uh, funeral. Uh, so game was delayed for a for, for a day and so on. Absolutely brand new challenges that I never met in 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 in, in the amateur era, if you like. But great fun and fun and fantastic learnings and lots of different experiences. Thanks, Bob. I suppose it's it's interesting now, isn't it, that this idea of managing an interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary team is is just part and parcel of modern coaching, right? And all coaches have to do it, and it's um, they almost get trained and supported in that. But when you stepped into that space, it was just this brand new thing. I'd like to segue, if we may, into developing other coaches if that's all right, because at some point that, that journey didn't end, but you moved into something different and you then began developing other coaches, mentoring other coaches and, and I suppose applying what you had learned to support other people. I'm wondering, we've got some people listening at home who are involved in that space of developing other other coaches and I'm wondering if you've got any um, any wisdom or kind of philosophies about doing that and things you've learned over the years that, that are more and less effective, I guess. I've always had a passion for, and I suppose, ask me the question of why, why am I doing what I do? Why, why am I doing what I do? I have a real passion for helping people. And I, and I, ha- I get a great kick out of uh, seeing them develop and, and, and being part of, of the, their journey. And how do I go about that? Well, I suppose my earlier experience in mentoring or coaching other people uh, rather than athletes was uh, as an assistant head and and I I was given the role of providing support to new teachers uh, who who came into the school and I was feeling my way uh, I suppose and what I found was just basically you know spending time with them having conversations with them if you like being in the being in the ditch with them uh, showing some understanding about what they're going through I got a, a a great kick out of that, and, and uh, I suppose that that's where it started. I then got a, a, an opportunity through the, through the Institute of Sport to do some work with UK Sport on a program which was called the Fast Track Practitioner Program. And for me, it was fascinating because I'd gone I'd gone through that experience of working with doctors and, and physios in, 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 in the professional rugby context and then at the Institute, a, a broader group of ologists, if you like. And this programme w- w- was designed basically to support, you know, the, the, the young graduate ologist who's bloated with brains, uh, uh, has plenty of knowledge, has probably spent a fair bit of time with a white coat on in a lab, coming into the coaching environment and having to manage athletes manage uh, other ologists and be part of a team and i found that really interesting and, very, and fascinating and and to be able to bring my experiences from from my learnings from rugby and so i, I think just bringing the experiences of, you know it's not just what you know but it's, it's 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 what you've come up with and what you've come up against and all the rest of it and and a whole sense of learnings for me is you know is, is getting things done and doing things and 
I've told you this story before, but way, way back in my, my early days of teaching practice uh, in, in northeast Glasgow, having spent you know an hour a week being told about education uh, and what education is all about, and then going into a, a primary school and within 10 minutes of the lesson being told to F off by a pupil. Welcome to the real world. And, 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 and that's where... <laughs> that's where... That's where the learnings take place, and 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 I suppose I've 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 kind of taken that philosophy on too. That it, it it's about doing, it's about you know just experiencing, but also sharing the experiences with others. I, I mean, I think about coaches, and, and and I and I do feel for coaches. I quite often think that coaches are, are in a bubble. Uh, you know, who do they speak to? Uh, if things are going well, that's fantastic. But if things are not going well, well, you know, they could be shunned, they could be sacked, they could be whatever. And I just feel that what we need to be doing with, with coaches is, again, going back to something I said earlier, being in the ditch with them, understanding what, what's going on in their lives and, 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 and providing that sort of support crutch, if you like. Maybe sometimes a bit of advice on, on, on here's what I did eh, and got my fingers burned. I got told to F off in Mary Hill. So, you know, how did I deal with that? So I think it's very much about, you know, just maintaining connections with people and, 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 and understanding the, the broader picture of people. It's not just about, you know, that coach being in the bull ring with, with the bullfighter, but it's, it, it's broader than that. You know, he's got a broader connection of people and support and so on so i've rambled a bit there doug oh bob i'm laughing everyone who knows bob knows that at some point he always mentions bullfighting and he mentions bullfighting for a good reason which is that it doesn't really matter what we're talking about we're talking about developing people right bob there was a lot in there i love this expression i've never heard this before bloated with brains i thought that was a great expression (laughs) This idea that we can read a lot and know a lot, but we never applied it, so it's just it's just information, right? Oh, there was so much in there, and I, you know, I always love that story. Being told to f off—that's where the learning takes place, and there's probably something in that. And those of you that listened to Alan Lynn's podcast earlier on in the series, he talks about yeah, it's not about what you know; it's what you can do with that. So, ah, uh, there's so much in there, Bob. We could keep going for a long time, and we probably will later on this week, I suspect. I'm wondering, you've been around a few years now, so you're allowed to have wishes. If you could have a wish for coaching and coach development as we go forwards, what would that big wish be in terms of doing things a bit better? Uh, I think it would be it would be the wish for coaches uh, to have access to, to be allowed to have access and to be told it's all right to have access to whatever it is you need. Uh, you know, whether it's within your governing body, your national governing body, or whether it's in a, uh, from a, a kind of broader resource. But I think for a coach to know that it's, there are resources out there that I can, that I can tap into. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you what I think has been one of the best learnings for me, or the learning environments for me. And it's, it's through the, the, the mentor work that I did with UK, UK sport. And, and, there was a community of practice set up and we would go to Manchester uh, maybe once every quarter or something like that. It was six of us and we'd spend a day and, um, you know, there was an opportunity 
on in that day to bring a story, a challenge, you know, just a, a bit of a problem, uh, or a bit of a success, or whatever. And basically, the agenda was set by us. You know, we would we, we would put up two or three things on the flip chart, and then say, like, "Okay, what do we want to talk about today?" And we would pick up something. And the richness of that day, I, I used to come away bussing. Uh, you know, just the learnings that that I took from that. And I, and I think even something like that, you know, within within a governing body. Uh, or, 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 or a broader context of little communities of practice where we can share in a safe environment where it's okay to swear, it's okay to cry. And I was in these environments, right? But really, really powerful learning. So if there was a wish, going back to your question, it was just that it, it's all right to reach out to a coach, it's all right, but there are things that are available, uh, means of support available to coaches rather than, well, please don't be in the bubble. It was a difficult question, and you did not disappoint, Bob. That was a great answer. There's, I often do this on the pod, and I'm just going to do it again for our listeners. You might want to just rewind through that. There was a lot of great stuff in there. I'm going to attempt to do a bit of a summary now, that idea of a community of practice and that support, and, and you're right, finding the right support for you. I know you're a uh, lifelong friend and, and um, someone you admire deeply, Kevin Bowering, always talks about uh, beginner coaches go on coaching courses, intermediate coaches go to conferences, and expert coaches have coffee. <laughs> um, and I suppose that, that was ki- kind of the point you're making there, that as coaches progress, their needs are more and more and more bespoke, more specific. Oh. And that having a community of people that they can go to and be challenged by and supported by, it's, it's absolutely massive. There was a whole load of stuff in this podcast that I've, been sitting with my favorite quote though bob has to be i'd lifted weights with mr universe so i knew a wee bit about that <laughs> that was just an absolute belt so so yeah i guess those early days doing lots of sports you know it's interesting quite a few people on the pod now and they've all generally had this really broad experience before they've gone on to, to do whatever they've done next it's really interesting that that's the case for you as well and um, i love this idea of yeah being in the ditch with them if you're going to support people you need to be on the front line with them you need to be in an environment where, where you can really help them. Uh, I love what you talked about earlier around managing an interdisciplinary team and other coaches and trusting the people around you. If they're, if they're good enough to be part of your team, you have to trust them and, and do that. And just your real honesty, Bob, you know, we got it wrong. We trained too much. We trained too little. We didn't get stuff right, but we kept learning and kept progressing forward. Uh, and then just, yeah, this, this idea that uh, it's all well and good until somebody tells you to F off, right? And that, you know, you can talk about things all we want in a classroom, but until you've been on the front line doing the business, uh, you don't really know. So, Bob, there's so, so much in there. And I'm just really grateful to you for, for your time. I'm aware that you are not a heavy user of the Internet or of social media in any way, shape or form. I predict people will want to have a chat with you and you're always up for a coffee or a walk and talk. Where can people get hold of you? I'll just give you my email address. Doug, as you say, I don't use social media much. So my my email address is bob47.eason at gmail.com. Magic. Thanks, Bob. I will stick that in the description for the podcast so people can get, can get hold of you. It's really funny, actually. Quite a few people now in the pod have given out their email address. And it's, you know, we've got all this other tech and people still quite like an email. Mm-hmm. So you can get hold of him there. He's always happy to share his thoughts and to listen and to, he's a 
compulsive storyteller as you've heard loves the sport and uh, if he can help somebody he always will I hope you all find that interesting it was so fascinating listening to Bob telling his story in his own words from his own point of view it was fantastic so thanks so much Bob keep an eye out for future podcasts everyone and hit subscribe to make sure that you never miss out and obviously everyone at the moment please everyone stay safe thanks Doug Thank you.